0: Ever since I was a small boy, I've been obsessed with movies, books, and music. But as I grow older, I've begun to realize that these things increasingly miss the mark of fulfilling who we are meant to be. But they seem to have a common theme. They point us to a greater story, a greater adventure, a greater love, a greater joy. On this show, we dive into some of our favorite themes in songs, books, and movies, so that we can begin the discussion of what our fascination with these stories actually reveals A desire for something more. A desire for the unknown. A desire for love. A desire for God. Welcome to the adventure. Let's get started.
1: Hey, welcome back to The Adventure. This is The Christ in Culture with Steve Sherman. And Clint. Uh, So, we're finally back. Shout out to my roommate, David, for lending us his laptop. Thank you so much. uh, As we we figure things out. So, I know this one's a little bit late, but we're still going to be talking about the same thing. (laughs) Yeah,
0: so, to clarify a little bit for those of you who don't follow us on Facebook, basically what happened is, well, my laptop crashed on us while we were recording, and we... uh, we either had to buy a new one or find one to borrow. So David kind of came to the rescue. We yeah. got all of the software downloaded onto his laptop, which takes a while.
1: Which takes a while, and we could have we couldn't use my laptop because my laptop hasn't worked in months. So So basically, there's been a lot of laptop issues,
0: but we're back and we are ready to keep talking with y'all.
1: Right. So let's begin with where we always seem to be beginning recently. What are you reading? What are you watching? What are you listening to? What sort of media is influencing into your life?
0: Yeah, so I think last time we were on here, I talked about I was reading a bunch of C.S. Lewis. Right. I actually just finished a bunch of those books. I was reading through the Narnia series, and then I finished the Screwtape Letters, which are, again, awesome. For any of you who haven't read those before. um, And then something that I just watched was actually the movie Jigsaw. Mm. Uh, So for those of you who aren't familiar with Jigsaw, it's kind of the follow-up, the sequel to the Saw movies that were kind of out when we were growing up. Yeah.
1: I, so I know a lot of people attack the Saw movies cause they're like, Oh, it's just violence for the sake of violence and gore for the sake of gore. But I actually always liked the Saw movies, at least the, the beginning ones. Right. Not so much the later ones. Cause they always had like a twist at the end, like some sort of moral to it. Like, um, I think, I think it was Saw 2 where they were in the house. Yeah. So where, like if they would have all worked together and like they all would have survived, but there was no way if they were like, so like all very selfish um, and there was always like that twist and there was always that like Jigsaw always made it to where like everyone could walk out of there and survive if they would have followed done the, the right thing. Yeah. Done the right thing. Yeah. But people, or what they thought was the right thing. Yeah. 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 But I just, I always, I always kind of appreciated that. Like they weren't just like, there's actually some thought behind it.
0: Yeah. I, and I think they're always really clever puzzles and, and stories. Mm-hmm. And like you said, you never can really tell what the ending is going to be, which I think is kind of cool. And a lot of it is, it's punishments and and it makes you kind of think about well why are they in here well everyone who was in there was in there because they did something wrong not that it makes what he did okay i'm not he's clearly
1: clearly a serial killer yeah it was messed up but
0: it, it makes you think a little bit about kind of the actions in our own lives and stuff like that even if they might not be as severe as letting someone die or watching I don't know. Someone rob a bank and yeah. allowing it to happen. So yeah,
1: but in my life, like if there is ever like a big twist at the end of the movie, I'm, like, oh, I am like immediately love, a fan. I love like, him. Like M. Night Shyamalan. Like some of his more recent movies aren't as as great, but like a lot of his movies, I always liked. What are
0: the the magician ones? Uh,
1: now you see me. Mm, yes, yeah, are something. those the ones?
0: They the ones where I don't know. Uh, the I sequel say. just came out. I think last year. And their big thing is there is a line where it says the closer you think you are to solving it the further away you actually are and that's like I a actually, line from the movie talking about their magic but it's also um, how you feel when you're watching the movie too and i, I love that i
1: actually haven't seen any of those so really? i have to yeah i have to watch them there's a movie out there that i remember i watched in college with my college roommate called pandorum which has like a big twist at the end i don't think i know that one yeah it's it's like not a very like well-known movie, but basically it takes place in a world where like the earth is dying. And so like they get on this ship and they like send you know like tens of thousands of people to this new planet that like is survivable, Mars. Yeah, well it's it's, it's, it's this movie was actually made before the whole concept of colonization of Mars. Like it's like a far off planet called oh. like called pan No, it's I forget what the name of the the planet is called, but the, uh, there's a disease that you can get from extended hypersleep called Pandorum, mm-hmm. um, where you start kind of going a little bit crazy because people aren't made to be frozen for all this time. Anyway, the movie goes on and they like open up and there's like what you assume are these like alien things hunting down people and the ship's reactor is is going down and there's like all these, you know, going back and watching it, you see sort of them laying out the groundwork. But essentially, it's it's a good movie. But essentially, I don't want to. Ru- I mean I don't want to ruin it.
0: What are you watching? What are you reading right
1: now? So I finally went, even though we recorded it a while ago, I finally went and saw The Greatest Showman.
0: Which is one of the greatest shows. Which
1: was so good. Right. Um, So good. Hugh Jackman's amazing. I guess for me, I just thought, oh, it's Hugh Jackman. He's, uh," you know, I was thinking like Les Mis or something. He's playing in a musical. But it was kind of like a rock opera, you know, in terms of like it was like more fast beat. Like a rock opera is just sort of like the musical term for a show that's more... A beat. Yeah, a beat like that. Yeah, like, it was very With catchy. more with more like I mean this used hip hop, but like more rocky songs or something like sure. that. It was it was really good. Historically wasn't super true not to P. G. Barnum. P. G. Barnum was, was not, not as, as great no. a person as the movie portrayed. His like first act was actually an elderly slave woman that he purchased for that purpose. Yeah. Actually, what I think is funny is the reporter who's portrayed as kind of like the skeptic terrible person in the yeah, movie. Yeah, that we talked about a little bit too. Yeah, he uh he was like this Irish immigrant who went from nothing to having like one of the most powerful papers in New York, and he was trying to expose P.T. Barnum's like terrible business practices. So if anything, he really should have been the one with the movie.
0: Right. And I, I think in the, the movie, they kind of hint towards that, but they kind of play it off because in the movie, they make him... The be the good guy, yeah. yeah. So they right. kind of play it down a little bit.
1: But it was it was really an interesting movie. I thought it was really good. The music soundtrack was amazing. They didn't they win like a Grammy? They were nominated.
0: They, they were nominated. I don't think they won. Uh, to be honest, I don't really watch those the Grammys. That's actually, kind of what we're uh, just about
1: to talk about. Segway. Well, that was
0: actually a pretty good. segue, Yeah. So yeah. Uh, yeah, it's almost
1: like I did that on purpose.
0: <laughs> right. So yeah, it, it is award season in the entertainment industry. If you haven't been aware of that, so. This month, we have already had the Golden Globes, the Critics' Choice Awards, the Producer Guild Awards, the SAG Awards, and then the Grammys were on Sunday, the 28th, so just a couple days ago. For those of you who are kind of like me and don't really pay attention or can't keep track for which award ceremony is which, the Grammys recognize the artists and producers and writers and really anyone that's involved in the production of music and basically, rewards those selected by the Recording Academy as the best songs and best artists throughout the year. One thing that is almost always covered, even sometimes more than the awards themselves, it seems like, no matter which award ceremony we're watching, it's the red carpet. So, this is when the celebrities arrive and they walk down the fancy red carpet and they pose for pictures, showing off their expensive and sometimes interesting and crazy outfits. But to be honest, I really don't watch the red carpet coverage either. It just doesn't interest me at all. I'm not really into some of that fashion. But one thing that I find amusing is when they ask celebrities, who are you wearing? <laughs>
1: Yeah, I always, always kind of reminds me of like a Silence of the Lambs. Like it puts its lotion on the skin. Right. It's like, yeah, it's
0: just- I'm wearing Channing Tatum's skin and Donald Trump's hair. Like, what? <laughs> no, this is weird. You're not wearing someone. Yeah, obviously. But what they are referring to is the clothing that was designed by a particular fashion designer. So if you're wearing someone's clothes, they say that you are wearing that person wearing their work. So. This designer, in a way, is so intertwined with their creations that they kind of see it as a part of them, an extension of themselves, because it was created of their own imagination, their own talent. Mm -hmm. And I think that we tend to do that a lot as humans when we create something or we enjoy something or even if we just own something, we create this strange attachment to it as if it is some kind of extension of ourselves. And now we have the obvious things like our cell phones, our TV, our money, our work, our house, whatever, but that isn't exactly the the main focus of what I want to talk about necessarily. So we have these other things like place our identity into things that are closer to our heart, a certain passion, a hobby, certain trinkets, maybe that was left down from our family or, or these tokens that we can't just let go of. Maybe even memories, whether they're good or bad, that we kind of just place too much weight in. Or even sometimes our own family. All these things can be something that we place our identity into, even though our identity's not actually found there. And don't get me wrong, these things can all be great and beautiful, and and they are. But when we place our identity in them, we actually begin to lose who we actually are by doing so.
1: It reminds me, I think Tolkien... Wasn't it Tolkien who kind of had, he kind of talked about like our ability to sub-create as being an extension of like our being made in the image and likeness of God, which is very different than putting our worth into the thing.
0: Yeah, that sounds really familiar, Steve. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> I know you're a big Tolkien guy, so yeah. I figured I'd throw him in here.
0: Yeah, he definitely gave certain beings power to kind of sub-create through his power mm-hmm. and, and allow them to share in in his creation. Yeah. But what he did not write into or encourage was the placing of, of their identity into that item. So one thing that was distinct was even when those beings were allowed to create through Luvatar's power, ultimately their identity did not reside in, in that creature. It was just a gift that they were able to, right. to share in the creation. Of.
1: Yeah, uh, for those of you who don't know what just happened, uh, Clint just gave a talk on this. For our young adult group um, in so, Galveston, in Galveston, so Galveston
0: Catholic young adult group.
1: Yeah, so if you guys I'm are in Galveston, in. you might have heard a little bit of a repeat there, but
0: yeah, and you know maybe maybe we'll get some of that out. I was able to actually record the talk, so yeah, uh, if I'm able to kind of edit some of that, I might possibly give y'all a few tidbits here and there as as the year goes on. So, yeah, we'll it,
1: it, it ended up recording pretty well. There's a little bit of feedback. We'll see what we can edit.
0: Yeah, it shouldn't be too hard, so hopefully we can we can manage that. So stay tuned for that, and hopefully we'll get it out to you guys.
1: As a special thanks for bearing with us since we didn't release anything <laughs> on Saturday.
0: Yeah, cool. Kind of actually the, the media that we want to focus on today is actually Harry Potter. In Harry Potter, there are certain items created by the evil wizard Lord Voldemort.
1: He who should not be named.
0: Right. Busted. <laughs> yeah, so he who shall not be named, and these items are called horcruxes. So these are essentially items that, upon killing another person, Voldemort, I'm just going to say his name for That's his simplicity. Fine. That's fine. <laughs> Voldemort was able to rip his soul in half and place part of it within that item. And so there's actually a scene inside the movie Harry Potter and the Half Blood Prince where Tom Riddle who is kind of the to be Lord Voldemort before he actually becomes Lord Voldemort is talking with one of his professors, Horace Slughorn. And he goes up to him and he asks, how do you do it? Split your soul. And then the professor responds by an act of evil, the supreme act of evil by committing murder. So again, that's from the half blood Prince uh, written by JK Rowling. So, Basically, as long as the item survived, he would not die. And one thing that I find interesting about this is the types of items that he chose. They were always items that were really close to him or had some kind of significant meaning to him. In a way, it almost represented something about himself that he identified with, that he was placing
1: his identity into. Mm-hmm. which is why we brought it up here. Yeah, he always picked something that was uh, that was close to him, which was easy to sort of hunt down. I remember I saw something posted online. I was like, if he really wanted to, you know, not have a problem, he would have just like used a penny as a Horcrux and spent it at a shop, and <laughs> 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 no one would ever be able to track it down. Right.
0: Yeah, but that's that's kind of the the mm-hmm. burden that we're we're kind of talking about here, and ultimately, spoiler alert, it leads to his downfall. Mm-hmm. You know, because he did place his identity within those. So. Really quick, I'm going to go through what those horcruxes are and a little bit about why they are significant to Lord Voldemort. So the first one is Tom Riddle's diary, his own diary from high school. We see this in, in the second movie already, and it's obviously close to him. It's where he keeps the secrets. Actually, it's his way of communicating with Harry Potter, too. It's his mm-hmm. connection to his youth, to his time at Hogwarts, and so that's obviously something that's really close to him. The second one is uh, Marvolo Gaunt's ring. Uh, so this is a ring that was passed through his family for generations in the seventh book, seventh movie, I guess, too. Mm-hmm. We actually learned a little bit more about that ring, and it's a little bit more significant than we thought. But it's, it's a family heirloom that he takes very close to heart, that he keeps with him, and so that's something that's really important to him. The next one is Salazar Slytherin's locket. So Slytherin is the founder of his house at Hogwarts. And Hogwarts was always a place that was very special to him, which kind of comes in in the next few as well here, the next Horcruxes. But Slytherin was also one of his ancestors. So there's a special connection there as well, because he had a lot of really strong ties with his family and his heritage, because he actually was an orphan. You know, he grew up in an orphanage. Hmm. So going to the next one, we have Helga Hufflepuff's cup and Rowena Ravenclaw's diadem. So the next two there, both of them are related to Hogwarts. Again, which we just talked about was something that was really close to his heart. It was essentially his home away from home because he never felt like he had a true home where he belonged. And this coming to Hogwarts, his school was the place where he felt like he was finally at home. So it was something that was very, very close to him. The sixth one is Harry Potter himself. So literally the boy who the whole story is about, but also who Lord Voldemort's story kind of intertwined with. When he tried to kill Harry, he actually turned him into one of his horcruxes.
1: Yeah, sort of by accident by killing his, his parents. Yeah.
0: Right, yeah. So he killed both his father and then his mother. And so because he murdered, he was then able to split his soul, even though he didn't know that he did it. And he created a seventh, or another Horcrux. We'll talk about that in a second, though, too, I guess. Yeah. And then the last one was Nagini, which was his pet snake and quite possibly his only and closest friend.
1: Which he could speak to snakes, so it's not as sad as it sounds.
0: Yeah, yeah, he could talk to snakes. It was it was actually kind of cool.
1: It's actually where Harry gets his ability to uh, speak to uh, snakes par- Yeah, well. his parcel, parcel time. is because he had the Horcrux in him.
0: Right. Yeah, and so something I want to point out is that I just listed off seven different Horcruxes. There are seven Horcruxes. Mm-hmm. For those of you who are familiar with kind of the Hebrew... Numerology. Um, numerology. A lot of numbers have very specific symbology within the Hebrew culture. And one of the main ones is the number seven, which is kind of the perfect number or the number of completion or totality.
1: Yeah, and what, what I think is really interesting is that Seven is the number of completion, but six was like the imperfect number. Like there's a reason that like you put three of those together and it's the mark of the beast. And it just was not a very, you know, it's not a very good number. So six was always viewed as like the imperfect number. You see that in, you know, when Jesus talks to the woman at the well and she's had six lovers and then Jesus becomes a seventh and he completes that. Right. To where, you know, Voldemort only intended and he only had six horcruxes. So he had this, he was an incomplete sort of way and so when he he accidentally created Harry who ends up being the the key to it the, all. the, com- the completion of it and really the one who ends up sort of leading to the, his downfall and so it's just like you know you have this divine number and this numerology that's kind of being played and I don't even know if J.K. Rowling intended that but it's it's clearly there <laughs> hey, I
0: mean whether she intended it or not I mean that's kind of the premise for our podcast right you know, yeah even when we're not trying to it's Christ there still there so case in point we win (laughs) so yeah so this representation in harry potter reiterates the concept of us placing our identity in things and as we do that we continuously begin to lose ourselves more and more and more just as when lord voldemort himself created horcruxes he had to rip his soul in two
1: Mm -hmm.
0: so we kind of see that reiterated again when albus dumbledore says yes i think so Without his horcruxes, Voldemort will be a mortal man with a maimed and diminished soul. And the part of that I want to focus on is is the end. A maimed and diminished soul. So, yes, if, if the horcruxes are, are destroyed, he would still exist. You know, if we take away those items that we're attached to, that we place our identity in, we would still exist. But in a way, because we put our identity in that we are we are losing a part of ourselves we are giving away a part of ourselves and do-
1: yeah it, it's this idea of you know like our worth clearly comes from being in the image and likeness of god and so when we are sort of as we are made in the image and likeness of god as we are sons and daughters of god we have like that's where our worth is and so you know we have we're given dominion over the earth which is a sort of different thing, but they, we're sort of elevated in that we have this rational soul mm-hmm. and that we are a part of God's plan in a very special way. And so when we place our worth in something that's sort of less than that, then then we sort of are, like we're sort of diminishing our own value. We right? are worth less. Yeah, we are worth less, yeah. <laughs> and and so, you know, you see that all the time, like not necessarily just in, sometimes people place it in their work or like a, a, like a physical object or something like that, but you see it, especially in ministry you see it all the time like people put all of their worth in a relationship or what others think of them yeah. when they have worth that's that comes from somewhere else right like mm-hmm. their worth is not that relationship or their job or their family you know their 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 dignity comes from who they are as a son or daughter of god just just something that yeah, and I think that's that we miss out on that's sometimes. exactly
0: yeah. where I'm trying to get to here. The more we focus on placing our identity into objects, the less we're able to understand who we truly are. And, and as Christians, that means sons and daughters of God. Going to Scripture in Galatians 3, it says, For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There's neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ. And then in 1 John chapter 3, it says, see what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God and that is what we are. You know, so again, we're just being reiterated that we are children of God first. And that is where our identity primarily comes from. And all these other things are are just earthly things that, that will pass, and that if we invest our our identity and, and our life into them, then like you said, we are in a way making ourselves worth less.
1: And that's not discrediting that enjoying these things are not good in themselves. Absolutely. But that when our worth is determined by something that is not the fact that we are made in the image and likeness of God, then we are sort of not living up to the fullness of what we were created for. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah,
0: absolutely. Absolutely. And something else I actually want to point out is I find it interesting that each of the Horcruxes was destroyed by seven different people. So looking at the Diary was destroyed by Harry. The the Ring was destroyed by Dumbledore. Slytherin's Locket was destroyed by Ron. Hufflepuff's Cup was destroyed by Hermione. Ravenclaw's Diadem was destroyed through a fire that was created by Vincent Crab, who was actually kind of evil. Harry Potter was destroyed by Voldemort himself, again, not realizing what he had done. And then Nagini was destroyed by Neville Longbottom. And so the reason why I bring this up is that it shows that often it takes more than just ourselves to become free of these things. We can't really do it by ourselves and others cannot help us unless we are willing to trust them and ask them to kind of come into our lives and help us in letting go. Mm Mm-hmm. On the other side of that, however, when we do this, when we invest our identity into these things, it begins to weigh not only on ourselves, but also on those that we are surrounded by. And we see this a lot in the seventh book and in the seventh and eighth movie, because they're broken up into two parts for the last one. Right. And there's this... Commercialism. Right. Trying to get as much out of us as they can. And so the reason why I bring this up, there's a scene where we have Harry, Ron, and Hermione... And they are kind of, they just ran away from everything to kind of go out on this mission to destroy these Horcruxes so they can win this war. Because they realize that they are in a very desperate state where everyone that they love is in a lot of danger. So they go away, they go into hiding, and they go on this mission to destroy and find all of these Horcruxes. And so they have one. uh, it's, It's the Locket. And they're kind of taking turns carrying it. Kind of similar to the ring, yeah, in the one Lord ring Rings, yeah where it kind of wears down on them. The longer they hold on to it, the more it kind of corrupts them. And so this is kind of a dialogue between them. So it starts off with Harry saying, So what part is not living up to your expectations? Did you think we'd be finding a horcrux every day? And then Ron shouts back, We thought you knew what you were doing. And then Hermione comes in and says, take off the locket, Ron, please take it off. You wouldn't have been talking like this if you hadn't been wearing it all day. So again, that's from the Deathly Hallows. But the reason why I bring up this conversation is because we see that as Ron continues to hold on to this and same when Harry was holding on to it. And when Hermione was holding on to it, it changes them. The more they place their their identity into this, the more they, they cling to this, even though they aren't the ones who created this, this Horcrux, they're still affected by it. And the people who they're around are affected by it too. And we see kind of this residual effect of everyone who comes near it is, is affected by the devastation. And we see that in our own lives too. When we invest too much into work, mm-hmm. we see that our family is suffering because of that. When we invest too much into a relationship, we see our other relationships begin to kind of fall apart and crumble too. Cause we're neglecting them. When we invest too much in money or pride or an object, all those things,
1: something else falls apart because of it. I think it's also when we don't invest enough into our relationship with God. Because, you know, we like we're going to invest our efforts somewhere. I used to have a spiritual director and I loved him. Father Killian. So shout out to Father Killian. Because he, you know, yeah, it's a really great name. Actually, it's funny because Mike and Brie Campbell, their yeah. son's name is that's, Killian. That's why I brought it up. We were just talking about it last yeah, time. We were just talk- <laughs> yeah, we were just talking. I was actually, I just hung out with Mike and Bree after the young adult meeting. And, oh, cool. And so kind shout, of got shout the, out to them too. Kind of just told them this story. But, but Father Killian, he always used to remind me, like if I was having a particularly hard time in like my life and in my relationships and things like never seemed to be working, he would always be like, what is your prayer life like? Or if they were really good, he'd be like, what's your prayer life like? Because he wanted to bring me there. Or if like my prayer life was, suffering, you know, and I kind of started with that because he was like my, my confessor and spiritual director. And then he would be like, oh, well, how's your relationships with others? And he always sort of pointed out the fact that, you know, when our prayer life and our relationship with God is good, then like that influences and makes our relationships and with others better. And it sort of prioritizes our life and our qualities a little bit better. But whenever we're like having a hard time and we're not prioritizing it, like all of the rest suffer for it. I and mean, that sometimes that like, if we're having a really hard time, in like a personal relationship or a really hard time at work or a really hard time with something like that, that we have to be mindful not to let that carry into our relationship with God. Because like sometimes we're having a really hard time, we begin to focus on this instead of our relationship with God. And when we do that, it becomes sort of a self-defeating cycle.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a really important distinction to make. And I think another positive to when we place our identity into that relationship with God, what we begin to see is all these other things that we might be tempted to place our Mm -hmm. identity in, or maybe we had in the past and we're starting to recognize it. But as we move our identity where it should be, we're able to kind of open our eyes more to the things that surround us, which is why I think we're able to have such a better relationship with those other things because we're able to cut out Mm -hmm. what is negative and recognize what is good. And I think that's ultimately the point of that.
1: If we're going to authentically love, we should get it from the source. Exactly. And
0: so by placing our identity into these things and clinging to them, even unintentionally, they begin to corrupt who we are and who we we associate ourselves with. So having a community to support you is wonderful and important, like I mentioned, but it likely it's not going to be enough. If we want to make steps to restoring ourselves and recognizing our identity again, then it all starts, like you said, by clinging to the one that our identity stems from which is God. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so we're actually going to be digging a little bit deeper to that in a couple of weeks once we get to Lent. So I don't want to go too much deeper into it. More foreshadowing. Sorry to keep you on your toes, but we got to keep you
1: coming back for more episodes, right? Yeah. We we (laughs) got to do something. It's like splitting one book into three movies. Yeah. I don't know who would do that. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Moving on to Hobbit. Uh, (laughs) Well, I'm going to go ahead and, and kind of wrap us up here with a challenge. So like I said, Lent is coming up in a couple of weeks and In Lent, we are to purge away the things that are, have been keeping us from growing in relationship with Christ and replace them with things that will help us to grow in relationship with him. In preparation for Lent, my challenge for you is to begin thinking about what things are you clinging to? What are you placing your identity into? Is it where it should be? And if not, what are you going to do about it? And who will help you? destroy the horcruxes in your own life so with that we're going to go ahead and actually wrap up with our our closing shout out so
1: yeah we first and foremost i think the coolest part is we have some new listeners from bethlehem yeah so i like to think that maybe jesus is listening and he likes our podcast (laughs) at least i hope so
0: (laughs) well if if that is the case then he must really like it because actually last week i was checking it out and the number two city in the world for listeners was actually Bethlehem. That's awesome. For that week, just for that seven-day time period. Yeah. Uh, so hopefully that stays going. If you're but, our listener in Bethlehem, yeah, we're, you're a rock star right now. We are
1: super excited to have you listening.
0: And that goes for all of our international listeners. I think we're up to like 15 countries or something. Something like that, yeah. We're still missing Alaska and Hawaii. So if you know anyone in Alaska and Hawaii, try and help us out there. Yeah, that
1: way we have the whole United States... At least we have the continental United States. Yeah, I think right? I think
0: we pretty much have most of the continental United States or you know, if you want to go on vacation, another thing that works is if you go on vacation somewhere and listen to an episode, that still counts. Listen, so it shows up. If you want to go to Hawaii, now's a good time. Go to Hawaii. Think listen to listen to the podcast. If
1: you're if you're an educator, I think they're still hiring people out in Hawaii oh, to yeah, be teachers. Yeah. Go.
0: Or Alaska. I yeah. think they're always yeah. wanting people to
1: come to Alaska. Yeah. Also, um, for those of you who have crippling student debt, Kansas will... <laughs> will <laughs> <laughs> this is so random. Yeah, no, it's so random, but um, my roommate just clued me in on this. Kansas, the state of Kansas, if you move to one of the rural counties, yeah. they'll pay 20% of your student loans for five years to pay it all off. And those for those five years, a lot of those counties will... Um, waive any state or local income tax now finding a job might be a little bit hard because it's rural kansas and the towns have like 500 people and the county has a thousand
0: okay it was slightly exaggerated but
1: no we literally looked one up really yeah one of the counties had the town people in the county there was like a thousand people in the county
0: wow And i thought iowa was small
1: yeah it was it's like that it was like the one town like the one town held half of the population of the whole county
0: that is amazing
1: yeah And it wasn't even like the one that was like in the middle of nowhere. Like that one was close to Wichita. Wow. It was like 40 minutes from Wichita.
0: So all of you who are making fun of me for being from Iowa where there's no people, take that.
1: But if you're a listener from Kansas, we love you. We do. Uh, And we're trying to encourage people to move to your state. Yeah,
0: so we can have more listeners from Kansas because we appreciate you. So with that, we're going to go ahead and wrap up for for this week. Thank you guys for joining us on the
1: adventure. Yes, please email us. Message us on Facebook. Text us if you have our number. Knock stop our, us, knock on our door. Yeah, stop us on the street. <laughs> don't stalk us in at all. Yeah, don't do that. That'd be a little it's, too much. It's weird that we have those issues, but maybe. Maybe yeah, you're just really yeah. good at it. Yeah. But anyway, just just let us know um, what you guys are reading, what you guys are watching, what you guys are listening to. Shout out to Nick Seckford, because he actually sent us a text of some things that he suggested that we we maybe take a look at
0: and gordon too we actually just and got gordon some well. feedback from gordon on some ideas which hopefully you, you'll be seeing in the near future
1: yeah and and danny we know you have that email that you said you have just waiting to give us feedback please just hit the send button yes please do we would love to hear from you guys whether you uh, enjoy what we're doing or you think that we can do something better we're always looking for that feedback
0: thanks again for joining us on the adventure and uh, we'll see you guys soon